We are on Ksubis on the very bottom of Samach Hay Omebei 65b as we continue the very beginning of this sixth parak, the sixth chapter. And we mentioned uh, the Mishnah in the last class. Uh, the Mishnah discusses what is given to the Baal, to the husband. And in the beginning of that list, it says that Maisiadeha and Mitzia Saisha is Labaila, what she makes. However much she makes is given to her husband because that is in exchange for the husband uh, providing food for her. And also anything that she finds is given to the husband uh, because of Ava. We had this in the Gemara earlier because of Ava out of uh, concern that this will cause arguments uh, if, uh, if she's allowed to keep it. After all, the husband is the one who is providing for the various needs in the home and so therefore it should be given to him. Uh, so says the Gemara, wait a minute, this is not so simple. Says the Gemara, Tani Tana Kamei Rava. They brought a brisa in front of Rava, which says as follows, The first opinion actually argues and says, the Tanakama says that no, she is allowed to keep whatever she finds. She's allowed to keep it. Rabbi Kiva Omer Labayla. Rabbi Kiva is the one who says, like our Mishnah, that it is given over to the husband, but seems like the first opinion says that she's allowed to keep it. So the Gemara uh, will question uh, this based on a different source, based on a Mishnah, which seems to imply that Rabbi Kiva would hold that she would, should be allowed to keep it. Um, and so the Gemara will eventually, uh, based on that question, will flip the two. Uh, the Gemara will maintain that there's still an argument here, there's a dispute as to whether or not Anything she finds, is she allowed to keep it or does she have to give it to her husband? But they flip the opinions. Right now we have it that the first opinion says that she's allowed to keep it. Rabbi Kiva says it is given to her husband. And we'll see soon that it's flipped, that the first opinion says that, like our Mishnah, that it's given to her husband. And Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion that she is allowed to keep it. So let's see this question inside. Amrlay, Rava now says, it was taught in front of Rava, Rava says, wait a minute. Hashtu umaha dafa he amra Rava asks, I don't understand. I could bring you a proof that Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion that let's say we know that anything she makes, she works for, is given to her husband. But if there's extra, if there's extra work that she does, let's say after 9 to 5, after the regular normal work hours, she's a workaholic and she works beyond the normal times. Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion that she's allowed to keep it. So if she's allowed to keep that, so then certainly she should be allowed to keep anything that she finds asks Rava. So Rikiva should be of the opinion that she should be allowed to keep it for herself. How do we know that Rikiva says that anything which is extra that she makes beyond the normal time that she's allowed to keep that from the following Mishnah, the Tanan. Essentially, if uh, she, if she makes a an oath that uh, the husband cannot get benefit from anything that she makes. So according to the first opinion, it's meaningless because it's all given to the husband. So if she doesn't have any rights to it anyways, it's all given to the husband. But Rabbi Kiva says, no, 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 no. The, it does have an impact on the husband. The husband would have to nullify it, be mefer the nadir, if he wants to, to, to nullify the nadir because of a situation where there are situations where she makes uh, money and it's not given to the husband. And so therefore, her oath is meaningful because in certain situations where 
she makes uh, uh, money during the time period, which is not the normal time period to work, where she's uh, working above and beyond what's necessary and what is the norm. So she's allowed to keep that for herself. So we see that according to Rabbi Kiva, she's allowed to keep it for herself. So the Gemara says, okay, fine. Switch it. Flip the two. Fine. The first opinion says that anything she finds is like our Mishnah. It is given to the husband. Rabbi Kiva argues and says, no, she's allowed to keep it. Okay. The Gemara then has the following question. Tanakama Savar Labaila, Rabbi Kiva Savar Laatzma. Rabbi Yochanan says, wait a minute. He says, wait a minute. When uh, we had the argument about uh, when she makes uh, she uh, makes money working and when she works uh, beyond the normal hours, when did they argue? He says that everybody really agrees that uh, if she makes money, and it's very easy for her, it's 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 normal for her. It's very easy for her to make money above the hours, after the hours of you know nine to five. It's very easy for her. Everybody agrees that that goes to the husband. That that's not a question. The whole argument about whether or not she's allowed to keep money that she makes, that's only if it's above and beyond the normal time period, and it's not easy. It's difficult. She has to. Uh, she has to work a double shift, and she's not used to doing that. She's not a workaholic. That's when well, there's an argument, and that's when Rabbi Kiva says she's allowed to keep it. So the Gemara is asking the following question. If we were to think about when she finds something, usually assumes the Gemara, the Gemara is assuming right now, when she finds something, it's very easy to find it. It's not, it's not difficult. She's not going out of her way. Therefore, one would compare that to the situation where one is working uh, extra, but it's easy. It's It's easy, and in that case, when it's easy, everybody agrees that it goes to the husband. The only argument was when it's not easy, when it's difficult to make money above and beyond the normal hours. That's when Rabbi Kiva says she's allowed to keep it. But Rabbi Kiva agrees that she's not allowed to keep it when it's easy, even if it's after hours. It's uh, if it's easy, if it's not difficult, so then it's given to the husband. So why is it? Asks the Mara when it comes to something that she just finds on the floor that. Uh, Rabbi Kiva would say that it's, she's allowed to keep it. No, it's, since it's easy, he should agree that it has to be given over to the husband. So the Gemara answers, Amar Papa, Mitziyasa Kadafa Shadet Haktami. Plucked it to Rabbi Kiva Verabanan. Rabbi Papa says, No, you have it wrong. Most times when a person finds something, it's not like you just find it on the floor and it's easy to uh, to just pick up. Most of the time it requires effort. It requires effort. You have to go after it. Um, you have to work hard to find you to 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 pick it up. It's not it's not uh, anything which is meaningful. It requires effort uh, to to pay, to to find it and to bring it home. And so he says that really it is comparable to work, which is not easy. When we have work, which is not easy, that's when Rabbi says she's allowed to keep it for herself if it's extra. So then, so too, if she finds something, since most of the time it's it's not so simple as just. Uh, Finding something on the floor, it requires going after it, pursuing it. So therefore, that's when Rabbi Kiva says she's allowed to keep it. One last question on this particular topic. The Gemara then asks, "By your Papa, By Ravina, Shlosha Odala Mahu. Where answers Teku. 
The Gemara asks, when we say that, according to Rabbi Kiva, she's allowed to keep it herself. Her mo- the money that she makes, that's above and beyond um, the regular hours, and it's difficult, it's not easy, it requires more effort, so then we understand that it's talking about after hours. If it's after 5 o'clock and it's still difficult, she's allowed to keep it. But what about other situations where she's multitasking? Essentially, she's multitasking. What if she's doing not just one thing between 9 to 5, but she's doing two different uh, jobs, or three or four all at the same time? Uh, for example, uh, if she's watching something, uh, she's guarding something, but she could also work while she's guarding something. Um, or she could, she could multitask. She could do multiple things at once. So is that also viewed as it's between the hours of 9 to 5? Is that viewed as uh, exerting much more effort to the point where she's allowed to keep that for herself? And the Gemara leaves that unresolved. That situation is not resolved. We're not sure whether or not Rabbi Kiva would say in that case she would be allowed to keep uh, the extra money for herself. The Gemara leaves that as a question. Okay, that's that topic. We'll discuss one more topic and then for next time we will uh, begin with a new Mishnah. The next topic is Boshta Upagama. The Mishnah mentions that if somebody um, if somebody hits her, if somebody physically hits her, so then the Boshas Upagam, the uh, amount for the embarrassment and for uh, the lowering of her value, we mentioned this last time, it's in the Mishnah, is given to her. She she receives it. However, Behuda ben Basira argues. And Rabbi Huda ben Basira says, no, it's not just given to her. It's divided between herself and her husband. That uh, Whether it's two-thirds to herself and then one-third to her husband or the opposite. Either way, some of it goes to her husband. Now, this leads to a very fascinating discussion uh, about, what, do we find this elsewhere? Uh, why is this? First, why is it that, it, that it's given to her husband? So one explanation that is given to her husband is because she's he's also embarrassed. If she gets embarrassed, so then he's also embarrassed. And so therefore, the person who did this would have to pay for the embarrassment that he receives. Uh, so the Gemara is about to ask, well, how far do we take this? How far exactly do we take this? Because so far in the Gemara, in the Gemaras that we've studied, uh, we only find the concept of paying for embarrassment in the context of uh when one physically harms another person. But there are many forms of embarrassment, not just when one when, uh, harms another person, hits somebody else and causes them not just pain, but also embarrassment. Um, so that's when one has to pay for the embarrassment. But what about, there are many forms of embarrassment that don't involve um, physical harm. It could be uh, words, it could be uh, screaming at somebody, it could be many different aspects. And beyond that, where do we find that embarrassing one person, but the, the primary person, but there's also, it could have a secondary effect. It could impact other people. If one person's embarrassed, the rest of the family might be embarrassed. Forget about the husband, just the parents, the children. Other other people could be embarrassed. How, how far do we take this line in the Mishnah? That uh, would other people also be deserving of payment as well, even if they weren't actually the main person involved? So the Gemara says as follows. Interesting discussion. Maskevla Rava understand asks uh, if this is true that the husband should receive payment when the wife is embarrassed so the same thing should be true when let's say somebody embarrasses his horse if somebody embarrasses his horse he should also be deserving of payment so the Gemara answers no uh, the Gemara asks no a person's not embarrassed by what happens to his horse if somebody does something to his horse 
the master, the owner, is not embarrassed by it. We don't have such a, uh, it's not a parallel example to a horse. The Gemara says, okay, I can come up with another example. What happens if a person spits on another person's clothing? So it's not on the person themselves, but it's on their clothing. Now there's a discussion, just to point out, as to whether or not we're discussing here where the person is wearing the clothing or not wearing the clothing. It could be that if the person is wearing the clothing, it's like they're spitting on the person. There's no difference whether the spit lands on the person's skin or whether it lands on the clothing, according to some. And therefore, the discussion that we're having here is where a person spits on a person's, another person's clothing when they're not wearing it. That is that is a discussion. But the point is is that a person's embarrassed, um, and therefore payment should be had to should be made to the owner, even though there wasn't any physical harm. And if you want to tell me that's true, yeah, you do have to pay. But tanan rakak v'igibo harok v'parosha isha v'hevir talisa mimenu chayv litin lo arbameyasuz v'amar papa lo shana elabo avabigdo pater. Essentially, there's a Mishnah that says that if a person spits on somebody, or let's say they uncover um, a, a woman's hair, they remove the uh, the covering, the hair covering, or they remove uh, a clothing or the talus from somebody else, so then there's a punishment involved because they are doing something physical to the person. They're they're actively taking something away from the person, or they're spitting on the person. Rapapa says, Rapapa comments on this and says, this only applies when it comes to spitting on the person himself. But when it comes to his clothing, there is no obligation to pay. There's no concept of paying for the embarrassment when it's spitting onto a person's clothing. So the Gemara answers here too, but big do less lay zilusa, ishto isla zilusa. Different ways to read this line, but essentially the Gemara is saying, no, just like what we said when it comes to the horse, when a person spits on a person's clo- on another person's clothing, so then there too, it's not really embarrassment. When it comes to one's wife, there's certainly there there's embarrassment. There's embarrassment when it comes to one's wife. When it comes to one's clothing, there is no embarrassment. That's how the Gemara answers it. Essentially the same answer as when it comes to the horse. So the Gemara then says, okay, we could ask a different question. Amalei Ravina Ravashi. So basically, you're going to tell me that in all these cases, he doesn't have embarrassment. Fine. But Ravina says to Ravashi, Elameyata, Bayish Ani Bentuvim, De Isluhu Zilusa, what happens if you have the following case? A person embarrasses a poor a, a poor person in the family. That poor person is really, as Tosus explains, one of the classic commentators on the page, he's relying on the rest of the family to help him out, to protect him. Uh, he's, really, he's poor, he's vulnerable, he's, um, he, he's uh, being taken advantage of. And so therefore, the rest of the family is really involved. And if somebody embarrasses this poor person, so then it's an embarrassment to the entire family. The entire family feels the responsibility. They should have protected him. So you're going to tell me from our Mishnah, just like if something happens to the wife, uh, we have to pay the husband as well. Are you going to tell me now also they have to pay the rest of the family? Is that really true? So the Gemara answer is a fascinating answer. The Gemara in the end answers as follows. In the end of the day, in the end of the day, when does a person pay for embarrassment? Only in a situation where there is physical harm to a person. And only to that person does a, is, is there payment. And uh, some of the commentators point out that it's based off the psukim in the Torah, the verses of the Torah. And it's true. There could be embarrassment uh, in other scenarios. Many different scenarios there could be embarrassment. But a person does not pay uh, from the letter of the law unless it's based on a result of physical harm and only to that person. Why then in our mission do we say that the husband also 
uh, is, is receives a payment for what happened to his wife. So the more answer is a very important answer. The more answer is it's like they're one person, the wife and the husband. They're one body. They're one person, and so therefore, it makes sense to pay the husband only in that case. There's no other case, but only in that case does it make sense to uh, to to pay the husband. And that's the conclusion of the Gemara, and it has relevance to uh, practical applications. Um, if a person embarrasses somebody else, uh, they are not, by the letter of the law, they are not obligated um, to to pay uh, for any uh, embarrassment. It is important to note, the, it is discussed, the Shulchan Aruch discusses what happens if a person scares somebody else. They cause somebody else to be frightened. They can't, by the letter of the law in court, they can, they're not obligated to pay. The Shulchan Aruch does say that uh, by Bidei Shemaim, uh, from the perspective of heaven and Hashem, they should pay something. But uh, by the letter of the law, they, are, they don't pay. Uh, and the same thing is true in other scenarios where a person causes embarrassment, they make fun of somebody else. Um, let's say they they uh, they shame somebody else. There's no, there's no payment for the embarrassment per, per se, maybe to go above the letter of the law, but there's no payment unless it causes physical harm. Unless it causes physical harm, and the only time that somebody else, a secondary person who is also embarrassed, will receive payment is when it comes to a husband and wife because we view them as really one entity, one body. Okay, that's the end of the Gemara, and we'll begin the next Mishnah in the next class.